Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Thank you, worship team. You guys are beautiful people who get here early, early, early to bless us. So thank you for that. Fantastic. We are looking at over these three weeks, last week, today and next week, we're looking at this idea of delight ourselves in the Lord. Now, true confessions for me, there are times I think I've got it a bit, but then there's other times where I'm like, I'm, I'm, 100, I'm not 100% sure I know what it means to delight in the Lord. And uh, maybe you uh, feel like that at times as well. Maybe there's times in your life where you're like, I'm not sure exactly what that means because the term uh, for me sometimes is a little bit abstract. You know, if somebody was to say to me, serve the Lord, uh, I get that because it's like quite concrete. Um, But the idea of delighting in the Lord sometimes can sneak up on us a little bit because we're like, what does it mean? So today we're going to explore that a little bit and hopefully give us some revelation around this, some bite-sized revelation that we can take with us into our tomorrow that makes sense and bring transformation. So that's what we're looking at. See, I don't always understand delight in the Lord, but I, I tell you what I do understand, it's Baker's Delight. So if ever there was a branding, brilliant branding thing around baked goods, it is Baker's Delight. So true confessions are plenty this morning. When I was in Youth of the Mission, one of the things that sustained us was we'd go down to the local Baker's Delight, we'd take the minivan down there And at the end of trading, they would load up the minivan with, uh, well, actually I would load up, they wouldn't, I would, load up bags and bags and bags of baked goods that were delightful. And so you'd drive it back to the Wyoming base and you knew that once you got back to the base, there was like, it was the Melbourne base and there was quite a few staff, hundreds of people. And you knew it would be like seagulls on a chip. So I, I, learned, um, I learned this great skill of driving along the highway while stretching my hand back into one of the plastic bags and finding the custard croissant. Because there was only a few. And the custard croissants were like, custard's one of my favourite things. And it's just like you'd taste it and it's like, they named, they branded their bakeries very well. It was absolute delight. Or maybe you've met someone famous. And if you've met someone famous, something happens and, and it, it's, it's a delight. You know that phrase, it's a de- de- delightful to meet you. That takes on a whole new meaning. You know, you get a bit of rush of blood to the head and it's like, I can't believe that I've met such and such. And it's this delightful moment in our lives. And so the word delight itself uh, is, is not the hardest thing to understand. But I think sometimes delighting in the Lord can be difficult to grasp outside of a context of a worship service. You might find yourself in a job that you don't particularly like. And you think, how do I delight in the Lord? You might find yourself around a dinner table that's chaotic. And if you've had kids, you've still got kids, doesn't take much for that dinner table time to be chaotic. And you might ask yourself a question of how do I delight in the Lord in the midst of this chaos? Maybe you've got an assignment that you just don't quite understand. It's just not coming together and it's hard. And you think, how do I delight in the Lord in the midst of an assignment that I just don't understand? Or maybe emotionally you're feeling down. And you've done all you could do just to drag yourself to church today, 
because your mental health journey is sometimes up and sometimes down. And you might question and say, well, how do I delight in the Lord today when my feelings are low? Well, there's some clues in the text today. And we're just going to take a few minutes together to pull out those clues and think through this whole idea of how do I delight in the Lord in the various contexts that we find ourselves in. My hope today is that you can take away a few bite-sized things that you can implement in your life this week that will help you around this idea of delighting in the Lord. So the Psalm that we're really looking at over these couple of weeks is Psalm 37 and particularly verse three and four. And it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. So I'm not going to focus today on the bit that he'll give you the desires of your heart. I want to focus a little bit more on what does it mean to delight in the Lord in all we do. My theory or my proposal today is this, that delighting in the Lord looks a lot like taking a moment to enjoy. When I was a young fella, Saturday afternoons, dad would get out the mower and he'd do some gardening probably when the, the sun was sort of like, it was getting a bit cooler, he'd break out the mower and we had a really nice, mum and dad were great gardeners and loved doing all that sort of stuff. Uh, I got a little bit of it, maybe not as much as it could, but anyway, they're really good at it. And dad would get out the mower and we had this really nice front lawn that like the mower had a roller in it. It was like, it was like a bowling green. It was really came up nice. And dad would take, I don't know, an hour, whatever, uh, and, and make the place just look smick. But a funny thing would happen after he'd mow, and as a young fella, I didn't really understand what was going on. So he'd mow, 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 make it look nice, hose the, well, we don't do that anymore, we don't do the hosing anymore, but he would hose the grass bits away. And, and then he'd, he'd sort of stand at the edge and he'd just, he'd look, and he'd just look, and he'd look some more. And he would just take this extraordinary amount of time to just enjoy this beautiful garden. Now, I, I didn't know what was going on, but it's like he really understood this idea of the satisfaction of this beautiful job that he'd done. I guess for me, I mean, I'm, I can mow the lawns and I'm, I can do it all right. He reckoned I was the best one in the family besides himself at doing it. Just saying, my family, if you're listening on the podcast, just saying. But for me, this whole idea of stopping, pausing, taking a moment, and appreciating something like this happened for me uh, a couple of years ago when we moved here and I built something in our backyard. Now, this is part of our backyard and the people who were there before us thought that it would look awesome to get some AstroTurf and throw it on some mud and leave this sort of barren sort of step in our pool area. Well, I looked at it and thought, I can do something with that to make it functional place, but make it look nice. So I channeled uh, the best skills I could for my dad and I started to put some bearers and some joists in. Now, dad was a builder and a civil engineer and he built an extension on our house when I was a little kid. And so I, I must have picked up some things along the way. And so put my bearers in and my joists in and I started to build. Went and bought some wood down at Bunnings. Really nice bits there. So I put the fascia board on and, and bought the wood and measured it all out so I had very little waste. And then over the next little while, built a deck. It's not bad, is it? I, true confessions. I did get, oh, 
Okay, no, <laughs> it's actually it's actually such a miracle. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. Like in terms of genetics, my brother caught all the genetics from my dad around building, and they somehow missed me. But uh, this is a this, you're looking at a miracle. But a mate of mine came and helped me, uh, Ash McDonald, who some of you might know in New Zealand now, and and we just on a warm November afternoon we put this together. And you know what happened? Because our house is up this direction. And I'd walk down, I'd find myself doing this quite a bit, quite a lot, <laughs> probably because I was amazed at the miracle, but I'd just come down and I'd stand right about here. And I would just look and look and look <laughs> because I don't know, there was something about it. I'd take a moment, I'd pause, and I'd just have this incredible sense of satisfaction and just, I'd love it. I actually would delight in a deck. My dad would delight in the lawn and maybe you've delighted in something. I was um, during the, the break between services, I was talking to some folks and one lady said that she delights in making prawn curry. She just, she makes it and she just looks at it and looks at it. And her, her husband was saying, when I'm doing open surgery in someone's heart, I look at the stent and the heart and I think, this is amazing. Most of us won't have that experience. But most of us will do something and, and often in a uh, really busy driven world, we'll move on quickly. But I think delighting in the Lord is very much uh, around this idea of taking a moment to pause and enjoy. Now, it's a little bit different to hedonism. Hedonism is the worldview that tells us that pleasure is the greatest good. It would encourage us to not think about God, but think about my pleasure and my enjoyment is the highest thing. So it's a little bit different to that, but if you've followed a guy like John Piper, who has really done a lot of thinking around this idea of Christian hedonism, that might be a phrase you've never heard before, but it's a movement. It's this idea that's summed up in this quote, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. The idea behind it is that God actually made us to be able to stop and pause and consider Him and just be satisfied and enjoy that. And so when I think about delighting in the Lord, I've got my dad's example there. I'm thinking about how I felt when I look at my deck. I think about John Piper and God is most glorified in us when, he's, when we're most satisfied in him. And I just think about this idea of delighting in the Lord, looking like this moment of pausing and being completely satisfied and enjoying him. There's three things that I think that, um, that helps us to get a, get a handle on this in the text. And the first one I want to just, for the next few minutes, just look at these three passages and just think about how God does this and would encourage us to mirror his behavior. So we go to the, um, to the Genesis account of creation. And Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 says this. Now, when I um, often I'm guilty of reading my Bible too quick. Bible college sorted it out because you had to read it in Greek, so you've got to slow right down. But sometimes we miss stuff if we just move quickly. And if you just read this verse, it's sort of like, what's going on here? Yeah, he's happy, it's functional, happy, and off he goes. But the writer has said up to every point of creation that it was good. Then you get to the end of day six and this happens. God saw all that he'd made and it was very good. And then there was evening and then there was a the morning, the sixth day. Now, uh, he rested on the seventh day. When I read that, I get this idea that God sees 
and pauses and has time enough to say this is very good. Now, the language of very good here is not just uh, there's this functional goodness about it. It is actually meant to be quite an emotive word of it is ex- exceedingly, abundantly, over the top good what I've done. And I can just think of my dad finishing mowing and I see myself keeping looking at my deck and I just think here is God with his creation moving from creator to just enjoying what he's done and what he's made. If you've ever been somewhere beautiful in creation, you have probably experienced this type of dynamic. One of my favorite places is up in Blackheath. Now, this was actually part of a panorama shop that I, if I made the panorama, if I did the whole thing, it makes it too small to see. But dusk, pulpit rock, Blackheath, and you head down to this place here and you stand here and you've got these, and you can go right down further and you've basically got this 360 degree view of this extraordinary beautiful thing. And there probably isn't a human alive that wouldn't go up there and just be, I'm going to take a moment because there's something very restorative to our souls when we see this. But I think what delighting in the Lord is, it takes it further from saying, hey, creation is amazing, to saying the creator is the one who made this. So when I'm up there, it's not just, oh, my soul is feeling restored. It's God, look what you have done. You are so powerful. Think about the the intricacy of the design of creation and, and you get lost in a worship moment because we're mirroring the very nature of God around this whole idea of taking a moment to pause and to be completely satisfied and filled with joy at what he's done. And I think he wants us to mirror who he is in this. So it happens with creation. And I think most of us can, can really get that analogy. The second thing that I encourage us to think about, and I'm, I'm challenged as I think about this, is actually the salvation story. It's interesting when you go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, you get this really interesting perspective around the salvation story. You get the writer of the Hebrews reflecting on, uh, I guess, the process that Jesus was going through. So not necessarily a step-by-step story of salvation, but so much as his reflection on what was in Jesus's mind as he's going through this suffering. And it says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, if you want a blow-by-blow description of what happens in that part of that salvation story, you go to the Gospels. But you come to Hebrews to get an understanding of what was happening in Jesus. And what it tells us is that Jesus had in his mind a future moment where he'd sit down next to the Father on the throne of God that, that I guess they'd look at each other and there'd be this incredible sense of joy and satisfaction at what they've been able to achieve around the saving story of humanity. And they just take a moment and it fueled him. Actually, what the the, the passage says is actually that moment of joy of seeing the joy on the father's face and knowing that they had redeemed creation and humanity caused him to keep going in through that story because he knew there was a future moment coming where they'd look at each other and it'd be like, for your joy, Father, I've done this. And it's brought about an incredible sense of joy. So there's this sense of as Jesus is 
an active participant in the story of redemption of humanity, he has in one part of his mind a future moment where there'd be incredible pausing and joy over what they've accomplished. It's a powerful thing. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't started to participate in that salvation story. Can I encourage you? That's what churches are all about. A group of people who are participating in the salvation story of Jesus. And you can uh, investigate that yourself. We'd love to help you do that. But I see that and I think about, well, what about me in stopping and pausing and thinking about the salvation story? How often do I stop and reflect on the fact that there's this incredible joy in the heart of Jesus because of what he's accomplished? How often do I then just race through life and I don't think about the salvation story much? Oh, maybe I need to pause. Remember the cross. Remember the throne. Remember him seated on that throne, the joy in the Father, in Jesus, because of what they've accomplished. And I just take a moment to pause and say, God, I am completely satisfied because you've taken my sin and my shame and you've taken it on the cross. You've redeemed me. You've regenerated me. What a pause in our lives that will be for us to think about those things. It's a powerful thing. Let's uh, be people who take a moment to enjoy creation and the creator, salvation and the saviour. And the last one I think about is this. Uh, in, in John 15, 10 and 11, Jesus is teaching the disciples about what it's going to be like to have the Holy Spirit and comes up with uh, this amazing statement, verse 10 and 11. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And it's this incredible sense The context is all about the sustainer of our lives, the Holy Spirit. And what he's basically saying is that I want your joy to be full. I want you to fully enjoy the idea that I'm going to send a sustainer in your midst, but not just in your midst, but in your being, who will sustain you. And I think to myself, how often do I just stop and pause and reflect and think about the overwhelming, satisfying thing that God who could have just saved us and then left us actually sends himself, he sends the Holy Spirit to come and dwell and bring about incredible transformation in me. The the idea of pausing and thinking, I'm just going to delight in the fact that the sustainer of the planet has decided to embed the sustainer of the planet in me. And I can just, wow. So what it means is that tomorrow night, if the mealtime is chaotic in my house, or if you're in a job that you're not enjoying, or you've got a task in front of you that you can't do, or your mental health isn't great, you can actually take a moment to say, you know, life might not be perfect. Life might not even be enjoyable at this point. But I can take a moment to shift my mindset from what I'm experiencing to this idea of this God who has done incredible things. And there will be a shift that starts to happen in your heart. What stops us from taking a moment to enjoy him? Just let that question sit in my heart for a moment and your heart. What stops us from taking a moment to enjoy him? Are we too driven? Are we fearful of who he is? I don't know what the answer is for you is, I know that sometimes I can be, I'm a very task-orientated person. I can be like, come on, 
let's get this thing moving. Uh, and it's an important thing for me to stop and pause and not just think about how great creation is and not just think about how great the, the, sal the salvation is, but to actually consider him who is the creator, the saviour, and the sustainer in our lives. Imagine your life being transformed from duty to joy. And it can be as simple as taking 30 seconds here and 30 seconds there to appreciate who he is. My encouragement to us as we face another week on this planet, in this life journey that has its ups and downs, my encouragement to you and to me is to find those 30 second pauses where we, we like when we've done the mowing or we've made a curry or we've operated on someone's heart. <laughs> you don't want me doing that. But we do these things and we just build into our lives this idea of pausing to enjoy, uh, satisfied fully in these things, but in who he is. And we delight ourselves in the Lord. I'm going to pray right now, and then um, I think, Theo, you're going to transition us into communion this morning. So it's going to be a great opportunity for us to just, again, pause and reflect on the salvation story and where we sit with that salvation story. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness, and uh, we just want to thank you that you are creator, saviour, sustainer, and we acknowledge that so often we just get so driven, we get so focused on the stuff that needs to be done or the stuff that's not working well, the chaos of life. And, and, we, and, and we sometimes think that delighting in the Lord is this really hard thing to do where you just have this pinnacle-like worship moment. And we just acknowledge that you want us to build into our lives 30 seconds here and 30 seconds there of where we stop, we pause, we reflect, we're totally satisfied in who you are and what you've done, and we just delight in you in everything we do. Help us this week to build in those 30-second moments where they would become more regular and more powerful that we would live lives of delight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message. God has been speaking to you. And what is it that he said to you? If you're in the room with someone else, turn and share with them what stood out to you. And I say to them, how can I pray for you? Share with them something that you love about God and something that you're thankful for this week. Or phone someone and ask them those questions. What do you love about God? What are you thankful for this week? And how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.